Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 32. Booyah! Welcome to the RunFit365 podcast, episode 32. I'm Travis. Hey, this is Dan. Dan, where the heck have you been? <laughs> same place, same place you've been. <laughs> Out of commission. Yeah. So why don't you tell the listeners what what we've been up to or not up to? However you look at that. Well, I I think there's been a couple things. Both of us have taken a little time off, which was much needed. Um, and then I, I think a little bit of just not being able to, to find each other's schedules, being so busy. So. I think it's been, what, three weeks? Yeah, it looks like the last podcast was posted on May 20th. So, Wow. Um, yeah, it's been a few weeks. Well, I, we have definitely heard from some listeners, which was is good. That makes me feel good that um, a couple people said, you know, where are you? And <laughs> it's good to know that if, you know, something really happened to us, we'd have somebody looking for our bodies or something. But, um, yeah, we, we just... Uh, have taken a, a, a three-week period off, and that was, I think we did that for six months straight without any break. So it, uh, to be perfectly honest, it, it felt a little good. It, for, it was nice, you know, just like yeah. any, any kind of training cycle, the recovery period is just as important <laughs> as the peak. That's and, exactly right. And that's our story, and we're sticking to it. That sounds um, better than we rehearsed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it was nice to get feedback from the listeners saying, hey, were you guys... Uh, ben, um, it would have been discouraging had we not heard a peep from anyone. <laughs> That's very true. You know, at least we have three listeners. Um, so <laughs> That's a good thing. Three is better than zero. That's right. So um, what do you have lined up for today, Dan, on episode 32? What are we going to chat about? Well, um, during our hiatus, our friend Simon from the UK uh, bought himself a heart rate monitor. And he said, hey, you know, you you haven't done a podcast on training with a heart rate monitor. So I thought, well, that's true. We haven't – we've talked a little bit about it in other podcasts, but um, we haven't really gone into any level of detail. So I put together some things, pulled together some information. We'll talk a little bit about heart rate monitors, the ups, the downs, the, you know, the zones, things like that. So we may have a half an hour or so worth of material here. Perfect, perfect. And then at the end, we can cover um, kind of the revised format um, for the podcast and kind of give some updates to the listeners. Does that sound good? Sounds great, yeah. Perfect. So let's, uh, I guess we'll jump right in here. Um, The concept of a heart rate monitor these days is, I mean, everybody knows about them. uh, and, And they're so inexpensive that virtually everybody has one. Uh, There's I don't know how many brands anymore. There used to be, you know, like Polar, I'm sorry, yeah, Polar and Garmin and maybe a few others, but now I bet there's dozens of them out there. Um, so the good thing is there's they're competing against each other and they're bringing lots of new functions and driving that price down. So it's virtually something everybody can have. Um, but I'd say they're, although they're very useful, they're not essential and the key is using them in the correct way so you don't um, 
you don't want it to drive everything. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, most of them have, uh, I think probably all of them have functions such as heart rate, obviously, um, elevation, your pace on some of them, uh, cadence, which can be really helpful. Uh, so you can keep a high cadence or at least know where you're at, calories, um, you know, all kinds of things. So those are just a few things that most monitors do nowadays. Um, and really how it could be helpful in training is it can indicate where you are in terms of intensity, which is a hard thing to gauge sometimes. So if you combine, uh, you know, I think we did talk about running by feel. Uh, we focused on running by feel. And we talked a little bit about um, heart rate monitors in that podcast. We're kind of doing the flip side here. We're focusing more on the heart rate monitor. But I do want to emphasize that combining this guide of heart rate monitor with how you feel is is critical to a lot of things, keeping yourself safe, um, keeping in the right zone, etc. So um, I guess the only other, uh, the, only, the things that are good use cases for a heart rate monitor, um, things like keeping yourself in the zone, in the right zone, and we'll talk about zones in a minute, but particularly in slow zones. And the reason that's important is um, we all have a tendency to want to run faster than we're prescribed. I mean, when you're running, uh, you know, who wants to run slow? We all need to do it. And um, especially if you have a prescribed workout that's an easy or endurance type workout, a heart rate monitor goes a long way in helping you slow down if you don't already naturally do that. And that contributes to avoiding overtraining, for example. So um, one use case is keeping in, a, in the slower zones. It can also help with some of the faster zones, like, for example, lactate threshold runs. Um, one of the things we'll talk about in just a few minutes is kind of establishing, establishing your lactate threshold, which helps develop, or I'm sorry, helps uh, determine what your heart rate's should be in each zone. And uh, if you know what your lactate threshold heart rate is, then you can make sure that you're in that rate or in that zone and not too fast, not too slow. Another use case is uh, for race pace. And particularly if you're doing like a practice race or you're doing your race pace runs um, and you know that you're, you're running at your goal pace and you look at your heart rate during that pace, well, if, it, if your heart rate's too high, it could be an indication that your goal pace is a little too much for you. It could also indicate a lot of other things. You know, we'll talk about um, the things that affect your, your heart rate that uh, may not be telling uh, or actually may be uh, altering what is actually happening. But, it, you know, if you're having a good day and you're well hydrated and all those things, and you're, you're doing a race pace run and your heart rate's too high, um, it may indicate that your goal pace is a little much for what you're trying to do. Um, you could use case for heart rate monitors are measuring your resting heart rate, which is important for understanding where you are from a recovery perspective. Um, and it's great if, you're, if you have a personal coach, if you've got somebody that you're working with, um, it gives them a lot of great feedback. Um, 
you know, if you download your information to a platform where a coach can view that information, uh, a great thing a coach can do is compare like workouts to see if you're adapting, um, see where you are from a progress perspective so they know if they need to step up the game or if they need to dial it back a bit. So uh, really good things. There's a couple things that I don't recommend people use a heart rate monitor for specifically. Um, Things basically faster than lactate threshold because really at that point your heart rate isn't really telling you anything. Um, it's, It's okay to throw it on and hit the record button and, you know, do your workout and have that information for later. But I wouldn't look at your watch and say, oh, I'm in the wrong heart rate when you're trying to do some, uh, you know, intervals or something like that. So, you know, don't don't look at that heart rate monitor and think this is it. This is what I have to work with. It's, it's a combination of things. Um, a couple downs downsides of heart rate monitors. So it is your heart rate is affected by multitude of things including the temperature like like today here where we live it was i don't know i think it got up to 90 degrees had to have been uh, i don't know what percent humidity but it had to been a high humidity day um so if if it's hot and humid your heart rate's going to be different than it is on a a less hot or a lesser temperature day or a lesser humid humidity day Uh, same thing with your hydration status how tired you are, you know, what level of fatigue you have, uh, what level of recovery you're at, nutrition, illness, all kinds of things. So, you know, if you've set yourself your training zones with, you know, you know what your heart rate is within those zones and you're using that heart rate as a, as more than a guide and more of a source of truth, you could put yourself in either, um, in the wrong zone, either too far up or too far down. Um, the other thing is your heart rates will change with, your, your zones will change a little bit with fitness level. So as you improve or as you have, um, you take a step back in your training and, and that fitness level goes down, those those heart rate zones can change. And so if you don't keep on that, then potentially you're training in the wrong zone that way as well. So um, that's a little bit about sort of, you know, the ups, the downs of heart rate monitors. We'll talk a little bit in just a second about your zones and, um, you know, how to establish your lactate threshold to, to create those zones and then some tips in just a bit. Any questions so far, Trev? Am I going too fast? No, you're going um, at the right pace. I'm just thinking about we had a great discussion this past weekend. Um, a small group of us ran... Um, It was called the half-day marathon. It wasn't a marathon relay. It was just called a half-day relay and ultra-marathon. So we had six of us on the team, and the race started at 7 in the morning and got over at 7 at night. Wow. And it was by far the hottest day um, that we've had this year. And, you know, some of the team members were new, kind of newer runners, and they're like, man, my training runs have been so much faster than um, what where I'm performing today. And I did my best to talk about kind of heart rate and how you, um, you know, ideally use that as the, a better indicator of kind of how much effort you're putting in. And um, so 
I think that, you know, the topic is spot on, especially now that we're getting into the hotter days of the summer, at least here in the Midwest of uh, the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about the, the race day blues where, you know, you've trained, you've, you're peaking and you run your hardest, but the, the conditions don't match um, what you've trained in. I mean, yeah. how many times you've run the, the half, the mini marathon, and it's the first 90 degree day of, or 80, you know, mid 80 degree day um, of the season. And so you, you go a lot slower than you anticipate and you know, everybody is running slower, but it doesn't feel good. So yeah, it's a very typical thing this time of year. And uh, unfortunately it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about zones. Um, you know, there's, <laughs> I've done research for a long time, reading books and finding what the various coaches say the zones are. And there's really no science, you know, there's no like uh, textbook that I've found that says these are the zones. But typically, coaches divide them up into uh, five zones, essentially. Uh, and I keep, I keep the, the same five zone sort of system because it matches the majority of people. A lot of coaches divide up uh, zone five, which is the highest intensity zone, into like a 5A, 5B, and 5C. I don't do that typically because, you know, if you're going to work at a very hard level, there's really no point in trying to divide that up. We just talk about, you know, what workouts to do and kind of how it feels. So, um, if, if you have one of our free plans, um, I'm on page, I'm going to kind of go through some things that are on page three and four while I'm talking through these things, it might be easy for you to follow along. And then also when I post the blog, put this information in there as well. But, um, looking at the zones, zone one is the, the easiest zone. And in fact, is really just a, sort of a, for recovery and our, in our training plans, our recovery is, is an off day. Um, but a lot of the elite athletes or heavy runners uh, prefer a recovery run on their recovery days. And that does help bring blood to the muscles and, and you know, try to flush out the, the waste and things like that. So it doesn't hurt to do that. But for most runners, um, average or, or below average or even um, above average runners, um, zone one runs aren't absolutely necessary. They're, they're just a very easy zone. So um, we'll talk about heart rates associated with these zones, and I can calculate them in just a second, but I'm going to kind of go through each zone first. Um, zone two is what I call the endurance zone, and this is really where we spend the majority of our time, probably 75 to 80% of our time. I think a lot of runners skip – well, they don't skip it, but they feel like they should be running faster and sort of try to cheat zone two. You're really doing yourself a disservice by doing that because you're really kind of building a base, maintaining a base, and especially in longer distance runs, uh, zone two running is what's going to give you your um, best bang for the buck. It's not the fast, fun stuff, but it's absolutely necessary. So zone two is extremely important, and, and if you have a heart rate monitor, this is where you're going to get um, the, ben the biggest benefit, I guess. Zone three is the what a lot of coaches call the intense endurance zone. Um, or actually, a lot of them call it the gray zone. Um, there's a lot of literature out there that says there's really not a lot of benefit to training in this zone. Um, there's some runners that run their marathon in this zone um, and slower 
runners might run some of their half marathon in this zone. Um, but you know, when you establish your, your heart rate, your heart rates, you, you'll notice when you run, you'll, you'll actually, let's say you're going to do something in zone four, you will spend time in each zone. Um, but it's just good to understand kind of what your parameters are. Zone four is what I call the sub-threshold zone because really when you get to the end of zone four, that should be about where your lactate threshold is. So your, your lactate threshold and anything right below that would be called sub-threshold. Um, and, and so knowing what your heart rates are in zone four uh, can help you train for a tempo run or a, a threshold run. And then zone five is what I call the fast zone or the very hard to sort of the max repeats. And this this is where you do your VO2 max repeats, your economy, um, build speed, things like that. So um, I don't divide it up into the A, B, and C, but uh, as, if you're looking at that graphic we have out there, it kind of talks about the, the various things you do in zone five and um, you know the races and things associated with it. So let's talk a little bit about you know, how to, to understand what your heart rates would be within those zones. And so there's there's not a foolproof way unless you're willing to go to a lab and spend a bunch of money to establish your zones. And the downside of that is, you know, you might have significant improvement in, in six, eight weeks or something like that. And then those heart rate zones are no longer exactly you know, what they were at that day in the lab. So you'd have to go back to the lab and it's just not a economical way to do it. There's also the whole 220 minus age routine where you take 220, you subtract your age, um, and that should be your, your lactate threshold. There's a calculation for that. And I don't believe in those at all. In fact, my heart rate is significantly different. My, my, uh, max heart rate. Actually, that, that 220 minus age determines your max heart rate, supposedly, but mine is completely different than that, so I don't recommend using that at all. But one thing that does work relatively well for most people is a, like a, doing a 30-minute time trial. And again, if you're following along or if you look at the, the plan, a plan later, um, page four has a description about the 30-minute time trial. And this is where you can um, basically run for a sustained 30 minutes. Uh, your goal here is to, to run for 30 minutes at the fastest pace you can do for that entire duration. In other words, you don't want to start out at a seven-minute mile and then at a eight-and-a-half or nine-minute mile. You want to try and be consistent throughout that whole thing. That's a hard thing to do if you don't know kind of where um, what you can do in that 30 minutes. So you may have to try it a couple times. If you do that, make sure you don't do them um, close together because that's, that's a pretty hard workout. Um, but what you'll do is you'll go to a track, you'll get really warmed up and stretched and whatever you typically do for a hard workout. And then you're going to run that 30 minutes with your heart rate monitor on. And then you're at, at the 10-minute uh, mark, you want to hit the lap button. And the reason for that is it sort of is going gonna, is gonna, to um, average that lap and then it's going to average the next 20 minutes after that. Uh, and now that I'm just thinking through this, if you get a heart rate monitor that automatically uh, hits the lap button after each mile, you might turn that function off for, for this workout because otherwise it's not going to quite get you what you want. 
So you're you're running the, the first 10 minutes, you're going to hit the lap button, then you're going to run the final 20 minutes, and then you hit the stop. And so when you analyze that information, supposedly, and this, this works relatively well, the average heart rate for that last 20 minutes is relatively close to that to your lactate threshold. Um, and then you can use that number to, to calculate your zone. So it may take you a couple times, depending on the conditions, uh, to really dial it in, but it gives you close enough range to, to calculate your zones. So on page four still, um, again, I'll post this on the website. Basically, this is the way we can calculate our zones. You're going to take your lactate threshold, and I've got an example on the page. I'll just use that example. Um, let's say that you um, ran that 30-minute time trial, and your average heart rate for the last 20 minutes was 188. Okay, so that's an estimate of where your lactate threshold is. You're going to take um, that lactate threshold number, and you're going to multiply it by um, by the tops of each zone. So, for example, the top of zone one, you'll take your lactate threshold number times 0.8, and so that would be 150, and that would be the top of zone one. And then to start zone two, you're simply going to add one to that 150 because you're just going to, you know, you're starting a new zone. So zone one go, is basically less than 150. Zone two is going to start out at 151. Then you take your lactate threshold, and the top of zone two will be um, that lactate threshold times 0.89. So that would be 167. So your zone two would be 151 to 167. So let's say you're going out on a long run or an easy run. Um, based on that lactate threshold and the conditions for that day, you, sh you should be looking at around a heart rate of 151 to 167 for your zone two. Um, now, the, the thing about that is, you know, people look at those numbers and let's say, you're, you're nearing the end of your, um, your long run or whatever, and you're keeping the same pace throughout that whole long run. Um, and you notice your heart rate goes above that 167 or something. You don't necessarily have to slow down because really what you're looking for is your average heart rate for that workout to be within that range. Because, um, you know, you're going to go over some, some hills. You're going to go... Um, you know, the longer you run, the more you heat up, the more your heart rate goes up. So uh, just be cognizant that that range is a guideline and not necessarily an absolute. So coming into zone three, we just had a, a, our zone two was 151 to 167. So we'll start zone three with 168. You're going you're gonna to end zone three by multiplying your lactate threshold times 0.94 which in our example is 177. So that range is 168 to 177. And then our zone five, I'm sorry, zone four, the, the end of zone four is your lactate threshold times 0.99. And so that 0.99 is telling because it's basically saying if your lactate threshold is right between zone four and zone five, then the end of zone four should just just about be your lactate threshold. So that that 188 example times 0.99 
is about 186. And so zone four in this example would be 178 to 186. And then for zone five, because I don't believe that a heart rate monitor is really helpful in zone five, I basically say zone five is greater than um, whatever you ended in zone four. So as I was talking through that, I thought, man, this is not sounding extremely, uh, doesn't come across very intuitively. Um, and definitely if you look at this graphic, which we'll have on the blog and you can find it in any one of our plans, it makes a whole lot more sense. But Travis, just listening to that, what, what confusion can I clear up? Well, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. <laughs> no, I, I know exactly what, you know, walking through. And I think the best advice, Dan, I know you're going to put this on the blog. And I still think the best way to follow along and to learn kind of the algorithms and the approach you just went through, just download one of our plans on runfit365.com. And just walk through those pages because um, I know we've recommended that in an early podcast, but that truly is the best way um, to walk through and visualize, Dan, what you what you've talked about. But um, no, I thought you did a great job articulating it because it is a it, it's a tough concept. And um, what I like about your approach is. Um, you know that the 220 minus your age does not work. It's not a good um, kind of gauge. And the, the outline that you just walked through and that you have in your plans um, is really good for athletes to use because I know I think it's just like the rule of thumb. Everyone still uses that 220 minus your age is you know, your max heart rate type calculation. And um, it's just not a good indicator. Oh, it's not. In fact, um, I know I've done in the past hard workouts to get my um, max heart rate and, you know, long hills and uh, in the dead of, dead of summer. And um, in fact, if if that 220 minus age was accurate, um, when I did that, I should have been 15 years old. <laughs> and I definitely was more than twice that. So I think... Um, you know, maybe some time ago that was the the rule of thumb, but science has, has proved over and over again that that's that's not good for anybody. So I would stay away from that. And I like the visuals in the plans too that really shows you those five bands that you just talked through because um, I know Alyssa still references those, especially now that the summer heats back. That. Um, you know, she makes sure that she stays tuned to, you know, what band she's in. So, um, there's a sticky factor to those, um, five bands that you went through. And once you do a calculation for yourself, it's really not that hard, um, to kind of understand the concept. Yep, absolutely. And I guess the important thing is understanding why, why you're training in that zone. What's the benefit you're getting? Because otherwise, you know, it, I guess if you understand why you're doing it, it, you're much more apt to do it correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of our zones. That's kind of establishing your lactate threshold and, and then therefore knowing how to calculate those zones. Um, I've got a few tips here kind of to tie this conversation up a bit. Um, so reiterate that the heart rate training is to be used as a guideline or a guide. Um, but 
it would be really silly to, to use that without feeling, you know, running by feel a bit. So in that, that one graphic on page three of the plans, it talks about, you know, the, the proximate zones, the feel of each zone. You can plot out your heart rate on those zones, but if you're running in zone two and your heart rate monitor is saying you're in the right zone, but you're breathing heavy, um, you, you can only talk in short sentences, and really the feel of how you're running doesn't correspond with that heart rate monitor. That's why it's important to um, pay attention to both things. It's really easy to, to have technology and that objective data and just look down at your watch and say, oh yeah, I'm there. If you're not paying attention to how you feel, very likely you're gonna train in the wrong zone. So that's very important. Um, don't force yourself into a zone. Um, so let's use zone two again. Um, let's say your zone two is, what example, I use 151 to 167. Well, it may take you a while to get into that zone, especially if you're doing an easy run. You might be in the 140s for a good 10, 15 minutes before you get into zone two, depending on the condition, especially in colder weather, uh, it takes longer for our heart rate to rise. So, um, you know, a lot of athletes will say, um, you know, I need to be in zone two. I need to reach that 151 level. So they'll run harder and get that heart rate into that zone. Well, yeah, technically you just made it into zone two, but your effort was much harder than zone two to get yourself there. So another reason to uh, correspond that guideline of a heart rate monitor with how you feel. If you're running in an easy zone and you, you feel conversational, you feel like you're running in an easy zone, and the heart rate monitor is saying 140s, be patient with that and let that heart rate climb. And and it's very possible that your average heart rate will be below that zone too, but it's better to be conservative and stay um, a little bit less than that zone than try to force yourself into that zone and cause you know cause yourself to so overtrain essentially. Um, I kind of already covered that the average is what you're going for because you know unless you're running on a track, most courses are going to have some some rolling hills. They're going to have you know maybe you're dodging traffic things like that. So your heart rate's going to go up and down a bit. As long as your average, let's say you're going out for a uh, easy run in zone two. If your average is in within that zone with some peaks over into zone three or whatever, that's fine um, as long as that's as, as long as that feels like that zone. Um, let's see. I already talked about not going harder to get into a zone. Um, don't try to control your heart rate with breathing. And I only put this in here because maybe I'm the only person that's ever wondered about this. Um, I have what's called sinus arrhythmia. It's a normal um, condition, mostly found in kids. It's a, it's a heart um, arrhythmia that is not dangerous by any means, but it's something that, in, in fact, I can freak people out with a stethoscope because if you put a stethoscope on my heart and I take a really deep breath and kind of hold it for a second, my heart rate goes from, let's say, 75 to like 45 and within that within that respiration. Um, and it's, it freaks people out, but it's a, it's just something that um, is very normal when you have a sinus arrhythmia. But what's interesting about it is when you're a runner and you have a sinus arrhythmia, um, you can kind of control to a degree uh, by your breathing 
uh, your heart rate. It's not significant, but you know, I used to run in, in an easy zone, and, and I'd want to run a little bit faster than that because faster is more fun. And I would try to control my breathing to force myself into the right zone. Or really, that's that's cheating. It's it's really not doing myself any good. It's not um, actually meeting the benefit of the, the workout. So I, if you happen to have a sinus arrhythmia, um, and, and don't mistake in that for any other heart condition, if you, if you have any kind of heart condition at all and your cardiologist or doctor tells you you've got a heart condition, you need to talk to them about this before you try anything. But um, essentially, if you have that and you've wondered that, and again, maybe I'm the only one that ever has, uh, just, just breathe normally and uh, work out normally and, and make sure you uh, feel in the right zone. And then um, the last tip I have in here is uh, the, the bottom of, of each zone is just as effective as the top in most cases. Um, so in other words, if you're in zone two and you're running and you've got a, a range of 151 to 167, um, a lot of people are going to try to aim for that 167 because, you know, bigger is better. But really, if you're in your average is 151, you're still in the the zone that you're training for. It's going to give you this the similar or same effects. Now, the caveat to that is if you're in the higher, faster zones and you're doing a lactate threshold run, your lactate threshold is in the end or the beginning at the end of zone four, maybe the beginning of zone five. So if you are in the early or the, the lower end of zone four, you're not going to get the same benefits as you would on the end. But for the most part, the lower end is as effective as the top end. Um, those are the tips I have. Any other tips you have, Trav, or uh, any questions about the ones I said? No, uh, just great job describing that heart rate. Um, it is such an important training tool for people to use and it's um, you know it can be intimidating at first when you hear um, you know some of these concepts and approaches but I thought you did a great job describing that and again I would just point people back to runfit365.com um, download a plan um, check out Dan's work on you know it starts on page what two through four is that where you really start hitting that three and four three and four yeah and then well, Dan will have some kind of blog out that walks through this as well, but um, I thought you did a great job describing it. Cool. Um, we're around 30 minutes, and I know we're just back, so we could probably talk for hours. Um, <laughs> we owe it to our listeners, but um, let's spend the last few minutes talking about um, our kind of new program approach um, that we're going to follow for at least the next few months and get your feedback as, as listeners, but... During these um, few weeks when we had scheduling conflicts and time off and vacation and things like that, Dan and I had a chance to connect as far as, um, you know, how do we con continue to provide fresh content, new content, and where we landed today was um, we're going to do two podcasts a month. We're, we'll just go every two weeks. Um, that way we can, you know have fresh content, stay up with the blogs, um, and that gives you, the listeners, time to give us feedback and comments. And one of the things we did say was, you know, if your feedback drives uh, more episodes, we'll produce more episodes. So um, we were just trying to manage our own time commitments and expectations, but 
Um, if you continue to flood our inbox, um, we'll continue to look to deliver the podcast. <laughs> but um, Dan, what did I miss as far as kind of the new programming approach? I was absolutely on on cue with what we talked about. That I can't stress enough how helpful it is when people um, send us feedback about you know, like Simon basically said, I need you know, what about this? topic and that's really really helpful because one to be honest we, we've been doing these basically every week for I don't know how many months now six months and I feel like we've covered pretty much everything I can think of we're always sort of struggling to come up with another topic um, so it's really really helpful for people to, to tell us what we haven't talked about yet um, and like Travis said if if you guys have more ideas than we've thought of, and there's just a bunch of them out there, we'll do more than than every couple of weeks. But for now, that's kind of what we thought we thought we would do, so that we can, you know, keep up, not kill ourselves, and um, be able to come up with good quality topics. Yeah, very good. And continue to give us um, feedback, questions. You know, we have the PR challenge, and we've received. Um, a handful of emails uh, of people that have PR'd this year um, continue to tell those stories. We'd love to share those success stories. Um, check out runfit365.com. Stay up to speed on the website. Um, I don't know. We're just very grateful that you all listen to us, and um, we're glad to be back. Absolutely. So, Dan, how do we close these things? I really forgot. <laughs> I mean, do we say booyah or, I mean, that's in the beginning, right? <laughs> that's the beginning. Um, you know, I, I think we always say, you know, oh, man, uh, have a great week and happy training or something like that. I think that's what we do. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. So um, thanks again for listening to episode 32. Dan, it's great to have, uh, have you back. And um, have a great week, listeners, and happy training.